Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, guys, welcome back to week two. This is our review show. Um, that week, uh, that was, man, that was a bad week for the conference, wasn't it, guys? Terrible yeah. week for Big 12. That, that's going to be, uh, man, whoever wins this conference, it may not look very good by the end of it. And uh, like I was telling Colin after week one, it's going to be a circus in this league this year. Uh, what's everybody's takeaway from this weekend, starting with you, Kendall? What was your big takeaway from the weekend? Well, I, I think my takeaway is just kind of what you just said the opening. It, it was a terrible week for the Big 12. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about, Last week, SEC kind of looked like they had a bad week. Well, this week was as bad, if not worse, for the Big 12. So that, that was my take for this week. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, we definitely lost some bragging rights with Arkansas going into Fort Worth and beating TCU. Yeah. And, you know, with OSU losing to Central Michigan, that definitely didn't help either. No. the um, You know, all the positive ground we gained from West Virginia knocking off Missouri and the SEC that came back to get us this week. Yeah, man, it was a bad week all around. First, the Oklahoma State, terrible play, terrible call, terrible execution, terrible everything from Oklahoma State. And then one thing I I, I know for sure is Texas Tech did not do anything to fix that defense. Uh, no. Like I was telling you guys before the game, I think the, the secondary is very, very mediocre at best for a D1. Um, you know, secondary, and I, don't, I think that's probably being generous at this point. And it wasn't all them. Um, here's the thing about that game I can't understand is they have some NFL talent on that D-line, and it did nothing. And, and Arizona State's not loaded with that. This is one of the probably, you know, it's not as good as some of the Arizona State teams as we've seen recently. So, Jockstrap, you got any takeaway from the weekend that you would like to cover? Mm, it was just a bad week for the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. That's all you got. Okay. All right, um, yeah, we're going to break down into some of the games, discuss them a little bit, uh, some of them a little more than others, obviously. Uh, some of us were away for some of the games. Some of us saw all of them, some of us didn't. So we're going to get into them as, and cover each one as well as we possibly can. Um, we're going to start off with uh, Central Michigan and Oklahoma State. Well, Do you, you want to go ahead and start off with our bold predictions? We can do see that. See how bad we were? We can do that if you want to do that. That's fine. Well, not all of us were bad, I guess. Oh, yeah. mine was horrible. I didn't come. I didn't hit on any of it. Well, I also wanted to reassure the listeners that we have all, it sounds like, made recoveries from our various allergy problems, and <laughs> yes, there shouldn't be any hacking um, or sneezing or anything going on with the show. I wanted to wait 30 minutes or so before I made that promise. That <laughs> way I didn't hear you over there dying in the corner somewhere. I have not coughed in at least one and a half days. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how that goes now that you're back on a microphone. Well, back, back to our bold predictions there. I guess I was the only one that hit, I mean, but I, I, you know, I said Mahomes was going to throw for 500 and have five touchdowns, which came true, but I kind of thought the game would be the other way around. I was expecting Texas Tech to be the the winner. So, I mean. And they should have been. I mean, Arizona State's not that great of a football team. They, they exposed them bad. And then, uh, yeah. you know, good old Jockstrap, I think he missed his bull prediction of Texas Tech winning by 30 by a smooth 43 points. <laughs> so that was that was a pretty good prediction there. Yeah. It was bold, I'll give you that. Well, <laughs> you know, bold. that fits the definition. That's what I wanted. As bad as that sounds, I, I miss my OSU prediction just as by just as much, really. I mean, they had, what, 60 yards rushing, if not. No, I think it was actually closer to 50 when you factor in the sacks. What was mm. your, your prediction was? Uh, it was 200 yards rushing and 75 of it in a touchdown for Justice Hill, which I stand by. If they would have actually stuck to the plan and ran the ball instead of 
going to the just awful passing game that they went to, I think I would have been pretty close. Yeah. I I mean, it, I don't think it was absurd to think that, especially Central Michigan. I mean, you're not expecting them to, you know, be a stout defensive front by any means. And well, in I, my opinion, I failed. Go ahead. I failed a little bit on mine. I, uh, I had A.D. Miller getting 100 yards receiving. He only got 23, but he did catch a touchdown. Yep. Now, Corey, on the other hand, his prediction was – which his, it, his was about as far off as Jockstrap and Colin. Were. Uh, I mean, I asked for bold predictions. That's what we gave. And honestly, uh, as much as why mine didn't come close is as much as why Brady's didn't either. Uh, Oklahoma, if you were an offensive player, you got involved in that game. <laughs> like it was, let's just say they spread, defense, they spread man, the wheel, man. They, I bet you over 40 players people. played in that game. Probably 45 or so. I yeah. mean, it was, it was everywhere. So. I think Bobby Boucher even got in the game. Yeah, the water boy. It was, it was. I know. I know. On the receiving, there was thirteen different players that caught a pass. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, I was looking for what Navy did a few weeks ago, where they pulled the guy out of the stands to be the backup quarterback and finish the game. I'm, I was <laughs> kind of thinking, oh, you might do that before it was over. It was they spread the wealth big time. So, uh, I mean, the starters, the actual legit starters. Now, the younger starters that needed a little more playing time, they played in the second half. But the majority of the starters, probably I'd say seven eighths of them or so, that sounded about right, Brady, didn't even play after the second quarter. Like, I, I, they didn't even come back yeah, out. Some of them didn't even bring their pads That's really back probably out. one of the first times I've seen Bob Stoops pull pretty much 90% of the starters. That early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After after one half, normally, regardless of score. Normally he's an end of the third quarter guy. So Well, that yeah. it was warranted, though. I mean. It, it was 45 to nothing. Yeah, I'm saying. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it wasn't like it was a – any doubt, and and the second team could do things against them too. So I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, they had two touchdowns against them. And, so. and really, if you're if you're looking forward and going into week three against Ohio State, you you need to get those guys in. Mm-hmm. You need in this case someone gets banged up or whatever. You need to get them into the game and get a little bit of experience. So well, it's, it's a positive, I, I think. Yeah, that's what we've talked about. OU has has depth, and but it's just young. It's inexperienced. A lot of the depth is talented but young, so it needs to play. I mean, by all means. Uh, well, the guy that started at corner, Parrish Cobb, he played the whole game. Because, you know, obviously he needs it. Yeah, so, he definitely needs to play if you're going to try to replace yeah, the production. Which there. I think that's clear. If anybody was wondering, uh, Austin, uh, Dakota Austin didn't even come on the field till what, late, late, early, early fourth quarter, Brady? Something like that? Into uh, the third, I Into the third quarter. Yeah. I mean, he did. It was like it, the last group that was going to play. That he, still he sounds too early him. for me. <laughs> he played with them. And, uh, I mean, it was kind of nice because he was shutting the guy down. But, you know. <laughs> Uh, that to me they made a loud and clear message. Paris Cobb's the starter. The right guy. Matter of fact, Makai Quick came in and played before Dakota Austin did. So yeah, Quick was in pretty early. So anyway, we're gonna roll into uh, Central Michigan and Oklahoma State, and uh, I guess I'll let Farm you guys. Burner. Yeah, <laughs> that game. Uh, what was the final score there? Thirty to twenty-seven. Yes. Is that right. Yep. Thirty to twenty-seven. Twenty-seven to twenty-four. With, with uh, <laughs> my, minus five seconds on the clock. Uh, just a few. I'm gonna throw out just a few stats and then let you guys go with it here. Uh, Mason Rudolph was 27 for 43, 286 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, as far as like team stats go, to me the most interesting one, and uh, let me see here. Yeah, no, to me the most interesting one was the third down efficiency. Uh, Central Michigan was eight for 15. Oklahoma State was one for 11. They converted one third down on offense. Um, uh, Central Michigan game right there. Yeah, Central Michigan outdid them everywhere. Total yards 418 to 338, passing 361 to 288, and rushing 57 to 50. Which, 
both teams, 57 to 50 rushing yards. That's not good for any scenario. So, you know, what was y'all's thoughts on that game? Well, I, I was very disappointed in Oklahoma State as far as running the ball. They, they abandoned the run way too soon, and uh, it, it really put them behind the eight ball. I, I, it was just bad play calling, and then when they got down the red zone, a couple of decisions down there were, were not very good decisions by Rudolph. At this point, you expect him to make a better decision down there, mm-hmm. and there, there was, it was just one of those games where you, you felt like Oklahoma State had better talent, but it just wasn't showing. Like they just weren't there to play. It was it was just not a very good game all around. Yeah. See, and I'm with Kendall. the The running game was definitely abandoned too soon. I mean. We know what OSU's running game is at this point. It's not great, but they had 15 carries for 63 yards on the on the day. That's just the running backs. It's not factoring in the sacks for Rudolph, which there were nine of those, which is also yeah. unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they were averaging 4.2 yards per carry as a group. The uh, two primary backs that saw all action were Justice Hill and Chris Carson. No, Barry Sanders and – sorry for that. It's all right. Barry Sanders and Rennie Childs each had one carry for one yard – or. Sanders had one for four, and Rennie Childs had one for one, mm-hmm. which isn't good. But they also, you know, you know how OSU does. They they use the wide receivers in the run game. You had Washington, which I guess counts as a pass because Dylan Stoner kind of tossed it to him forward. Mm-hmm. So it's a forward pass. And he yeah, that game, on. that game was interesting. Or that play was interesting, yeah. I saw that one. But another thing that they did, they, they used Jalen McCleskey a lot in this game. He was kind of a focal point of the offense. He had – 11 receptions for, for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And then he also had, I think, one rush for eight yards. Yeah. I think that's good for Oklahoma State going forward because, I mean, Washington is the number one. So, you know, you always have to have that number two guy that can pick up and, and play. And so I feel like that's a good positive thing. The, the negative thing going forward is offensive line. If they're struggling that bad against mm-hmm. Central Michigan, what is it going to be like whenever they, in, in what, two weeks, they – Buckled up against Texas, Texas yeah. it, it that scares me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I actually saw one one running play where the entire right side of the line was blown up so bad that they got flat backed into the running back and tackled. In effect, tackled the running back falling backwards, which is that's just the, that's it's embarrassing. It, you know, some of the OSU listeners might remember the the Ole Miss game last year where they have the famous picture where we have. Our entire offensive line is laying on their stomachs on the ground, <laughs> while that. the entire defensive line is chasing Rudolph in the backfield, which yeah. is which is awful. I mean, I mean, I think we will see some improvement. We do have two young guards out there, mm-hmm. and that that's the interior part of the offensive line has been the big issue. I mm-hmm. mean, the outside they have their issues, but it's not near as bad as the interior. Well, I mean, they've all gotten you know they've gotten Texas and Oklahoma have also gone through that where it's young talent a lot lately on the offensive line, and it has to get better. I and mean, you've seen improvement by the end of the year. It's just. How fast is it going to improve and to what extent before, you know, you really start facing good teams? So Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, my, my main problem with the game was Rudolph. And I, yeah. I, was, I, I was very upset most of the game watching it. He was consistently high on almost all of his passes. You know, I, he's done that throughout his career. Not necessarily as bad as this, but he's, he tends to be a little bit high. It was very evident, and he missed several open receivers for – know big plays just because the ball was too high mm-hmm. i mean to to be playing central michigan and finish with a qbr of 35.3 where he at where he's at in his career is just it's embarrassing yeah yeah i i thought he was kind of i don't know did you see did you feel like he was disinterested maybe like it wasn't like he didn't take the game as seriously uh, no or was it just 
play calling? I mean, what was the day? He just was off. Just had a bad day. I think it was a seemed bad like, day. Seemed like the throws that I saw, a lot of them were high. They were definitely high. I mm-hmm. mean, it was a problem throughout the game. Yeah. All right, we've made it this far into the OSU review, and nobody's mentioned the Rudolph intentional grounding play. Yes, you're yeah. right. So uh, it it was a terrible, terrible situation all around. I mean, when you look at it, it wasn't necessarily the smartest play for the offense to run. Uh, you know, maybe if they would have had a receiver out there to the left and just ran him down the sideline, there would have been no intentional grounding, you know, called. Uh, so it wasn't a very good play to begin with. And then, you know, the whole mess afterwards with, with the officials and missing what exactly should happen. I mean, it, the whole thing is just a mess all, all the way around. Well, to, yeah, to me, Gundy, in, in this situation, we've had this happen before, you know. It happened in 2011 when they were playing Texas A&M. We came to a situation where they, they could not run the clock out. So what do they do? They have, I believe it was like three or four seconds on the clock. So they put Blackman back there. They snap the ball to him and say, go run out of the end zone. Nobody's going to catch you. We'll take two points off. They need three to, to tie or win, so do that. Why didn't we do something like that? You have running yeah. backs. You can just run around in a circle in the backfield. Yeah, and for, for Gundy to release a statement saying that he they've been practicing that play for 12 years, I mean, that's kind of kind of embarrassing on his part, not knowing that you could get an intentional grounding for something like that. I mean, at least have a receiver, like you said, run down the field and be in the vicinity to prevent that or do like you said with the Blackman play, hike the ball and run around in circles for a few seconds and let let the clock run out. Or if you are going to do that, then you need to know the rule, how the rule is set so that even though it is additional grounding, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, know, it doesn't sound like they knew the rule as a coaching staff. They didn't know the rule as a MAC officials and, and the Big 12 officials that were in the review board. Uh, booth they they didn't know the rule apparently either the, everybody messed up on this it wasn't just a, a one-sided thing but you know that's not taken away from what Michigan State did they still came up with one hell of a play and and made it happen so I mean it's hard to take away from what they did yeah yeah that was an unreal play I couldn't believe that happened well, I mean not only did he catch the ball he pitched it back and then that guy beat what four or five defenders around the edge about 40 yards one mm-hmm one defender. One, yeah. yeah, it's been reported as four or five, but they were all in the act of tackling the guy that originally caught it. The only one that went after it was Ashton. Well, Martin. I'm looking at the very end of the play as he's laying in the end zone right now, and there's four black jerseys, but realistically, one had a shot to take him out. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, there well, were four say, in the area, well, but well, there, saying, there were I'm eleven he people. Beat him around the edge. All four of those guys beat him around the edge, or that guy beat all those guys. Yeah, he well, he beat Lampkin. Lampkin tried to. He had a bad angle initially, and he tried to correct, and that was different. I mean, they're both the guy is obviously fast. It's not saying that just because he plays for Central Michigan, he's slow, and Lampkin's not, or you know, he shouldn't have beat Lampkin. I mean, just the the Mac schools in general, they don't have just slow players. They do have fast players as well. But one other thing I wanted to touch on is OSU started downing the ball too early. That's one one problem that a lot of people have always had with Gundy is you don't have the killer instinct in that situation. Instead of just trying to run the clock out. Play for the first down. Go get the first down, and then you have to down at one time, and the game's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you immediately you, – you run a run play, and then, okay, now we're just going to take two knees and then try to do something on fourth down. Don't put yourself in that situation, which, of course, leads to the other thing that OSU should never have been in this situation to begin with. They should have – you know, they, they played about as – I want to say as about as bad as they could. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely, to me, it seemed like they definitely played poorly. They definitely had more of the mistakes. I mean, Central Michigan led the turnover battle 2-1, to one, right? And, you know, I to me... Uh, if no, 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 it was OSU. OSU led the turnover yeah. battle. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to remember it backwards. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, here's the thing, too. If Rudolph, if you're going to do that play, in my opinion, if, you, if you're going to have to run something at the end, like I said, we discussed you could have a receiver run down the sideline so he's in the area. But to me, I just don't even risk it. I just take him and see either one of two ways, either punt it down there and make them go 99 yards with two seconds or take off running until somebody tackles you and run out four seconds. I mean, to me, that's the only two scenarios in that situation. I agree. Yeah. Um, one one thing, you know, it kind of comes down to when, when you have games like this, it comes down to a blame game. Who, mm-hmm. who, who holds the ultimate blame? Is it the, the offense in this situation? Is it, was it the defense? Was it Gundy? I, I tend to side with, I, I think I put most of the blame on the offense for putting the defense in a position to where they were the time of possession. Let's see, it was Central Michigan had, had the ball for 35 minutes and OSU had it for 24, which typically, I mean, there's going to be a bit of a discrepancy with a fast-paced offense. You're going to have it less if you score. The problem with it was they were not scoring for that. They were going three and out. Mm-hmm. So the discrepancy was, because, like you said, they were 1 of 11 on third down. It, it was just an all-around. I mean, I put the, the blame of the loss on the offense, the loss of the game on Gundy. Yeah, that, that's my that's my. I think the defense played pretty good for the most part. I, I mean, I know it's hard to say that when Cooper Rush was three for three hundred sixty-one yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, but it kind of goes back to my concern initially with the the secondary. I, I thought they actually played pretty good. It was the linebackers. The, the middle of the field was open to the tight ends the entire game, and they they just killed us there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll say Cooper Rush, man. He did a lot for. Uh, put up a good showing for NFL scouts if they were watching the games. I mean, so I don't did, think uh, his arm strength is one of his great features, but he had some amazing touch on those passes. He did, man. He yeah, was, it was, was looking pretty. off receivers, looking off defenders. I mean, that Yeah, well, personally I don't buy Personally I don't buy that he can make every NFL throw theory because I didn't see the arm strength. Could he put the ball either. down there to some degree? Yes, but people who say he can make every NFL throw, I'm not buying. But what I what I will say he does, um, he's very very intelligent. You you can tell by the way he works at the defense. For instance, um, Stearns close. Stearns made two huge plays on I think two different drives coming over the top. Well, the third time this situation arose, he completely looked Stearns off the other way and then came back the other, across the field and made the pass. So I mean, just he learned. You could tell he makes smart decisions like that. Learns the game and and you know learns on the fly well. Well, and it, it helps when you have uh, Tyler Gronk. Conklin playing playing tight end for you. Yeah. yeah, that guy had a hell of a game. Yeah, he was yeah. he was an absolute stud during that game. He was kind of a mismatch for some of the guys too. Um, all right, so everybody good on that one? Well, I, any other thoughts on that game? I, I have I, I copied down the actual rule that was violated. I just wanted to say. Yeah, you can go ahead and read that. Well, I don't really want to read it actually. I'm kind of with Gundy on this. I just want to move on, but I just wanted to say if it's if you want to read it, it's out there. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to waste my time reading it. Yeah. Just, everything's final at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be, speaking of that play, I don't see there being any reversal of that play. I think the play happened, and it's going to be going to be a loss for OSU, unfortunately. I mean, granted, they shouldn't have been in that situation, but, I mean, the rule is the rule. If it was applied correctly, then they would be walking out of there with a victory. Well, you know, it, it amazes me, though, that you have two college conferences within this game. You have the MAC officials and you have the Big 12 officials, and neither one of them, 
understood this role. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, well, the MAC officials screwed it up on the field, but the Big 12 officials are just as much to blame because they messed it up in the booth. So, I mean, yeah. that's two conferences of officials that totally botched this rule. Yeah, that's something that's getting lost on some people. The Big 12, which I knew they could. I just didn't know what the rule or how it was worded or what it was called. I had to wait for it to come out. But I knew they could intervene in some fashion. And apparently there's some kind of egregious you know, it's almost crazy. like a miscellaneous file of egregious things that if they feel like there's something they've completely screwed up, they can come in and, and you know, intervene on that. And uh, here, here's the thing. And as much as people are ripping them, I've watched countless hours of college football. And the first thing I thought when I saw it was, well, yeah, you can have another play on a penalty. It can, you can continue that. To, to know about this sub rule where if you lose it down, it completely gets rid of it, to me – I, I mean, yes, that's what they get paid to do, but it's hard for me to just completely destroy everybody for it. Because, I mean, yes, the refs should have known, but some people are throwing in the coaches and all this. I mean, yes, I get it. They get paid, but I can't. Uh, to me, it's just, it's not like it's this universally known thing. So it's hard for me to be 100% critical of all the people involved in this. Well, see, I actually put it more on the Big 12 than I do the Mac. I mean, it's, it's hard in a, in a, you know, in a game. Of the game, it's mm-hmm. hard to do that from the field. They had there was a stoppage of play when they were looking at this. They, mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily review it, but there was a time they had out time or something. To do it. Yeah. yeah, there was a good three, four. Yeah, three to and they five could have looked that, at it, which they, which tells me they never knew it existed. Because exactly. if there was a chance that one of them thought, "Wait a minute, it, does, do we do this or do we do this?" Then there would have been a, an intervention in them stopping and doing it. The fact that there was nothing brought up means they thought basically like I did. Yes, you can continue a play. You can continue to have a, no time left on the clock and have a play in this situation. To me, that's what happened. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, everybody get on that one. Are we putting that one to bed? Jockstrap, did you have anything to say about the LSU game? Yeah, he's probably still a little upset about that one. He may not want to talk about it. He, he's not alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, moving on to the next game on the week we have on our list is uh, West Virginia and Youngstown State. Final score was 38 21. Um, to me, I was a little surprised that Youngstown put up that many points on West Virginia, but. You know, they they were a decent team. They were a quality team. We knew their defense was good. Skyler Howard had a heck of a game. I mean, it you know, so one of his better games, 20 for 33, 389 yards and five TDs. He did have one pick. But uh, Shell came back. He didn't, you know, wow anybody, but he was a work guy. I mean, he was a workhorse, 16 carries, 84 yards. So, you know, all in all, it wasn't too bad. I mean, they, they did pretty well. Yeah, Sheldon Gibson had a hell of a game out there at wide out. 12 catches, 210 yards, and two touchdowns. That's that's a day yeah, right there, boys. Mm-hmm. That's back-to-back weeks of good output from him. Yes. Yep. He's going to be one to watch in the league this year, I think. I, I have an interesting stat for you guys on West Virginia's wide receiving core. Sheldon Gibson, and I believe it's Dykel Shorts. Dykel Shorts, yeah. Okay, Dikel and uh, Karan White. Mm-hmm. That trio of wide receivers has accounted for 89% of West Virginia's receiving yards this season. Hmm. So I mean, that's that, definitely you know who you gotta stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, outside, outside of those three, what there was maybe three other guys that had a catch. Yes, I believe so. Yes. I'm curious. Is that uh, an indictment on their depth, or is that just those three are that badass that they can't? I'd say get it's away from ability. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, I think Gibson and Shorts are extremely talented. Well, and we know where Karan White's brother is right, right now. He's playing in the league. Yeah, so. and I, I I agree with Brady. Shorts Shorts has proven he's and yeah, we know what White's genes are in his case. But yeah, uh, to kill Shorts is a heck of a receiver. So and apparently this Gibson kid is too. Apparently he's pretty solid. Well, just um, to, uh, on on Howard, I know uh, from what I what I could tell, the uh, secondary for Youngstown State they got beat a few times trying to cheat up like to stop that run game. Mm-hmm. And when they did, it 
opened up the big play and he kind of just threw it up and and hit it. Yeah. So you know, credit this, to him. This game was pretty close early. I mean, I think it was fourteen fourteen, close to the half. I believe. I may be not remembering correctly, but no, you're right. You're right because that's when I sent that picture out to you guys. Yeah, it was fourteen fourteen going to the half. Yeah. Right. Yeah, West Virginia definitely pulled close, away in the second close half. Close game, but I think the uh, the depth of Youngstown was not there, and they were able to pull away late. Well, I mean, as we... Like Colin said, they were starting to cheat forward and try to stop that run game and able to burn them over the top. As we talked about, the the front seven was probably the better group of their defense. I mean, we knew Youngstown... I mean, they're one of the better FCS defenses in that particular scenario. They they do, from what we can tell, they do a pretty good job of stopping the run, so... Well, the, and this is the team that's the, the fighting Bo Pelinis, right? Yep, yes. Yep, yep, that's yeah. him. So he, he does pride himself on defense. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing about SES, you, you think that all their not good they, they have good quality players the, the difference between them and like the power five people is that they have depth yeah, so, and yeah. That, that's what that's the reason why usually first half it, it's a ball game and then the second half you'll see you know the the power five people you start to pull away because mm-hmm. their depth starts to show at that point yeah they're starting 11 is usually pretty solid in most cases in the fcs um also the other running back justin crawford was 12 carries for 40 yards um that might be something to watch a little bit. We know Shell's pretty good, or he, you know, he seemed to be pretty good last year. Crawford had a good first game, but so far, all in all, I haven't just been exactly blown away with their rushing. Um, I kind of expected a little more, especially with it being a Holgerson team. Um, you know, you you OSU fans out there know Holgerson. You know, I know he wasn't there long, what one year, but you know he's definitely. Um, you know, wasn't he the wasn't he the offensive coordinator of the year that OSU had even rushing yards and. Passing yards, yes, which is yeah. still the craziest to the stat yard. to me that nobody ever talks about. That's insane for a whole season that exactly the same amount of yards. So he's he's definitely a guy who likes to run the ball. We know that uh, that offense, and he just to me so far they haven't got got the run game going like I figured they would have, and they haven't exactly faced you know it's not like they're facing Alabama's front seven. But I th- I th- in a way though, I think that kind of dictates way he played though because I mean what I'm saying that is, is Youngstown State started selling out to stop the run mm-hmm. and that's yep. when all the big plays started happening I mean you know it's whenever you're able to pass and open up the run game a little bit it helps too but if everybody's in the box trying to stop the run it's it, no matter who you are or who you're running against it's, it's tough to run the ball yeah I agree know? yeah I was always we always talk about what's the number one killer of rushing game penetration right so if they're gonna get in there and keep them from starting you know you're screwed I don't care who you are so, yeah, I, I'm just saying that that might be something to keep your eye on because I was expecting a little more to this point. But, again, you know, I know everybody wants the knee-jerk reaction to every stinking game. It's only two weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to take a few weeks for these teams to really start to, to figure out what they're doing and what their identity. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are still learning their identity on offense and defense, what they need to be. So Well, you know, West Virginia has a week off next week, so maybe they can yeah. work, work on those the run-type blocks and, and get that nailed down. I mean, that's a good thing about having an off week this early is mm-hmm. you can see what's going on and mm-hmm. then you can work on correcting it versus, you know, having to prepare for that next deployment. So it might be might help the run game for the next game. Yeah, I totally agree. That's usually a silver lining to an early uh, bye week is you get to figure some stuff out. Okay, we're here this so far. We need to be here. Let's go figure it out. Yeah, I so. do think with uh, this game this week, West Virginia actually getting some good production out of Skylar Howard, you know, similar to what he did in the bowl game. I think that goes a long way for them, him being able to show that he can be consistent and and maybe that'll catapult this offense a little better. Yeah. You know, whenever teams, instead of for stacking the box against the rush, if he can show the ability to throw the ball well, then they might have to lay off that, and that, that allows that running game to get going. My concern going into the uh, the preview show from 
earlier, I had mentioned that, you know, I wanted West Virginia to see West Virginia actually finish drives. Mm-hmm, you did say that. They still didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Through two games this year, they're, they have one touchdown and seven red zone possessions. That is, that's not going to get it done in the Big 12. To me, they're no. the epitome of what people knock a lot of the Big 12 offenses for is between the 20s, they'll tear you apart. But what do they do once they get down? Right. Right? Which is why Texas scares a lot of people to go to another team. They're, they've proven they can line up and knock your damn teeth in. So, <laughs> I mean, that's I would expect to see that. You know, we expect to see a little bit more from West Virginia on that front. And Rochelle Shell's not exactly a small back, is he? He's pretty... I mean, he, they could do some run game. I don't. I mean, to me, he doesn't look that small. I don't know what his actual stats are, but he doesn't look that small. I would think he'd be able to run the ball a little physically if he had to. He's more of a so, bruiser type. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, he doesn't look at all scat back material. So, okay. So anyway, there. Yeah, West Virginia fans, you're rolling into a bye week next week. So uh, hang with us, though. Don't leave us for a week. We'll. Michelle Shell is five ten, two twenty five. So there you go. To- so yeah, he's not. He's he's. Yeah, that's pretty good size. Yeah, he, he that they should be able to run between the tackles, especially in the Big Twelve with that. So, yeah, West Virginia fans, don't leave us. You know, hang in there. You'll be back. We'll be talking about you again. So, uh, moving on into the next week's game. Onto the next game last week is Ohio and Kansas, and uh, this was a game that uh, Colin had been adamant about pretty much since you know the previews that Kansas had a pretty good chance to win. And I'll be honest, at, at first glance, I didn't really, I didn't, wasn't sure I really believed him. But, you know, all in all, they, Kansas put up a good fight. I mean, he, they, they did better than I thought they would, put it that way. Well, earlier on. So I think what happened with Kansas is they let Ohio get out yes. by too much way too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were down 28 to 7 at half. And it's at that point, the run game's out the window, especially, you know, when you're, when you're Kansas, you're going to try to, Make you run, and it, it just it wasn't there this this week. Yeah, which is unfortunate because this was one of their winnable games. And I, I don't think Cullen was wrong predicting that. I mean, I think they had the what they the tools they needed to win it. I just they didn't perform real well. well yeah, and one of the biggest issues they had on defense was stopping the run. I mean, they had, uh, the the quarterback for Ohio Wyndham he rushed for 146 yards, and then the running back Brown he rushed for 122 yards. Yeah, yeah so, they I mean, put, Ohio put up 330 yards rushing just about. Yeah, and then, you know, that's that's 200 yard rushers there. If if they can't sure up that run, they're they're really going to struggle yeah. for the rest of the season. And Kinnear only had 16 yards, five carries, 16 yards. So or Kinnear, however you say his name, I'm still well, not exactly sure. One yeah. one thing we did learn this week, we did learn it. It looks like Cozart's going to be the guy moving forward. I know he he did injure his shoulder late in the game, but. The way that it sounded, he could have possibly came back in, but they just held him out as a precaution. Yeah, and they're not. Yeah, they're uh, not. Willis, Willis is one for five. I mean, that's that's pretty terrible. Yeah, well, it, was, it was late in the game at that point. So Cozart, I mean, neither one of them are really spectacular. Cozart had a forty-nine point one QBR, so I mean, that's well, that's not going to win you anything. Better, better than Willis's two point one. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I will. I will tell you, kind of similar to the OSU thing. Part a key stat to me in this game. Was KU going 0 for 9 on third down? Mm-hmm. If you can't if you can't convert third downs against Ohio, what are you going to do when, you know, the OUs, the the Texas, all those schools rolling? Now, I mean, most of us think that those aren't going to be games anyways, but they want to pull some upsets in Big 12, and that, and that's not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. I, I'm calling it right now. Kansas isn't winning another game this year. I, I'm going to give it up to myself, and you know. 
Speedy Gonzalez looked good in the return game again. <laughs> Which one? Which return game? Uh, the the kickoff return. Yeah, we'll we'll clarify yeah. that. He had six returns for two hundred one yards, with a ninety nine yard touchdown return. Uh, on the on the punt return, we'll just ignore that. I think he had, he finished with negative yards and he had two muff punts that, you know, that doesn't help when you're when you're trailing and and led to part of them trailing. Yeah. But also here here's one last. This was my key stat of the game. Time of possession, and this goes back to the rushing yards. Ohio had the ball for 43 and a half minutes compared to Kansas having the ball for 14. Yeah. yeah. You're not winning games in that. Mm-hmm. No, your defense is going to fall apart. I mean, it's it's amazing they played that well in the second half mm-hmm. after, you know, being out there that long. Yeah. So, I mean. They, well, they hit a few big plays. They kind of give themselves a chance. But, you know, I think Fish Smithson, which is the all big 12. Yeah, that's the talented guy. Yeah. He came out after the game and basically said, you know, yeah, we were out there the whole game, but. We still have to get stops. It's it's inexcusable to to not well, be able to get off the field. Well, I mean, K- Kansas only had nine first downs the entire game. They only had twenty six yards rushing. I mean, that's just like I mean, I could, we could do this all day with their stats. It was you, you can't control time of possession or do any kind of. I mean, that their defense had no chance. Yeah, you give up three hundred twenty seven yards and the offense is on the field for thirteen minutes. It's it's not gonna you're not gonna win unless you're just hitting a touchdown every day like the Arizona State guy last night. Yeah, I could argue you could actually feel a little positive about Kansas's defense after that kind of performance, <laughs> considering that Ohio only put up thirty seven points. Well, yeah, the Kansas offense ran forty four plays. Would you like to guess how many Ohio ran? Hmm. 93. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you, whenever you more than double out there on defense prepared hmm. your offense, you, you can't you can't hang on. But I mean, that's, it's, that's kind of the Big 12's theory in, in a way. A lot of the offenses, when they face teams out of conference, you know, we're going to double up your plays, and that gives us way more chances to score. You know, we may not get a first down every time, but – we you start it's one of them th- you hit it that many times eventually something's gonna bust you know what I mean you're gonna take that many shots at it so yeah when you're on the other end of it and you're getting doubled up it doesn't turn out good no no it never does okay, it also goes to to say that uh, Steve Sims did have another big game he had a long touchdown in the uh, I, I think it was like the second play of the second half he had like a 74 yard touchdown but he finished with four catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns which that's pretty good numbers I mean it was at that point it was starting to get away and mm-hmm. kind of put him back into it for a minute and then they yeah couldn't keep it going but yeah i mean i don't know like i said that you know can't to me kansas looks better already all things considered they look better than they did last year even if it's just defensively in some sides of it but um there's potential there you yeah. know that is it overwhelming are they scaring anybody in this league yet no but i don't know to me they just seem there seems to be a little bit more happiness with the fan base of course that could be the fact that they actually won a game this year but, you know, there's just, I don't know, it just seems to be a little bit more positive and stuff coming out of Lawrence so far. So Well, and like we were talking about in the, the preview, the season preview show, it, it's going to take a few years. It's not a it's not something he can just turn it around instantly. It's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to have to start recruiting better. He's going to hopefully eventually get to 85 scholarship players. <laughs> yeah, that's big, first of all. He, he's not doing, he's not going to Juco route. He's, well, I say that, but he did bring in A little some, bit. Yeah. But he's doing it the right way. It's just going to take some time. I'll give you an idea. Um, we know we all know how bad USC got hit by scholarship penalties, right? Um, just rough numbers. Kansas actually had less, ten less um, scholarship players than USC did at its worst point, to my knowledge, when they had all those sanctions. So, except they're Kansas and yeah, they're Southern have, Cal. They don't have five yeah. players. Yeah, exactly, the, exactly. Charge. So, I mean, that's that gives you an idea, and that that's rough numbers off the top of my head. I mean, I could dig into it further, but that's that that gives you an idea of what they were dealing with. So, it, it may uh, be a long one, Jayhawks fans. 
Go ahead, Brady. I will say that with Kansas, they showed me a little – with this game, they showed me that they won't give up. Yeah. And they held they held Ohio to nine points in the second half, and then they put up 14. So mm-hmm. there definitely wasn't quit in them like you maybe may have seen last year. So they actually kept at it. So yeah. that was promising yeah. to see. Yeah, there's been some Kansas teams in the past. You're up by 21, it's done. And it's just good to, you know, at that point, the floodgates are open. So, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. They they, they hung in there. Okay. Uh, moving on into the next game on the weekend, SMU-Baylor. Uh, we all felt pretty good about Baylor's chances to win this one. SMU, you know, there's rumors out there they were a little bit better than last year. But all in all, it's about what we figured. Baylor ended up winning 40-13. to 13. You know, uh, Russell, Russell had uh, not his best game. I I'm not sure exactly how long he played. I would have to go back and look. Uh, I didn't see where he stopped playing at. I missed it somewhere to see where he got pulled out. But he was uh, 26 for 47, 261 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. So, I mean, it wasn't his by, by any means his best game. It, it sure looks like he played the whole game. Did, yeah. did he play the whole game? It looks like unless maybe, you know, maybe miss one series. Okay. All right. I, I didn't know if he got – so, for some reason, I thought I saw somewhere that somebody said he got pulled, but maybe not. Um you know, well, it, I know it, at at halftime this game it was six six, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. SMU I mean, played tight. Yeah, they played tight for a long time, and I was actually surprised that Baylor didn't get off to a quick start. I mean, they're a pretty quick starting team, so that's right. I think we saw that in the stadium, didn't we, Brady? Was that the score we saw in the stadium? Uh, we were watching it outside. Oh, that's right, we were watching it outside. Okay. They, they the, the problem with that uh, Baylor had when I was watching the game was. Uh, they they said there was really sloppy. What I mean by that is they had four fumbles. I mean they only lost one, but still they had four balls on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you know you had Russell throwing two interceptions. So the, that's six times the ball is is in you know, out out. Yeah. You know they, they're just kind of they were just not they're just really sloppy. That's what what I best you know. And as far as third down conversion, you think when you think of Baylor, you think oh you know that they're, they're really good at converting. They're only eight of twenty two for the mm-hmm. game from converting. So yeah. I mean, they. They and rushing wise, it was a little bit weird because they they had uh, uh, Terrence Williams and Linwood, of course, got eighteen and nineteen carries. Mm-hmm. One's for eighty yards, and the other one's fifty nine yards. So I mean, they they towed the rock, but they didn't really have any of those explosive plays like you're used to seeing from Baylor running backs, where you know you you, you hit you know you hit it once or twice, and then all of a sudden they'll break one for thirty or forty yards. You you didn't really see that in this game. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like from looking at the whole thing as a whole. It was just a game. Like, they just did okay. Like, not what we get out of Baylor. You know, some teams would be okay with this performance, but that's not Baylor. You know? No, no. And, and you're starting to ask yourself why. You know, is it and, – because uh, as soon as Baylor doesn't look like Baylor, you know what's going to happen as far as the narrative around them nationally. Oh, they're falling apart. They can't handle it. They're busting at the seams. You know, this coach is destroying them, yada, yada, yada. The, I mean, the, it's like shark, circle, and chum waiting on that to happen. Everybody's sitting back and asking, when is Baylor going to collapse this year? So anytime they don't have a great game, you know, that that's going to start – people are going to start asking questions. And to me, looking at the box score, the few highlights I saw, all in all, it doesn't look like – I mean, it just looked like they just had an okay game. And I don't know if they didn't – if SMU didn't have their attention all the way, you know, I'm not exactly sure. So yeah, one, one thing that was good to see was Seth Russell get some carries, and he, he kept the ball seven times and got it for 43 yards. So – yeah, he did he have a rushing a, touchdown. So yeah, that rushing it was touchdown, good to I saw him. it. It looked good. So he took yeah. some contact this game. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. also good seeing uh, Katie Cannon step up at their, uh, you know, to be their one at wide out. Yeah, he had 10 catches for 93 yards, I think it was. And so, yeah. I mean, he, 
he's uh he's stepping into that role and doing well. And so I, I I keep seeing him. I, I bet his catches are gonna go up and his yardage is gonna start going up more as we get more comfortable in, in that number one spot. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a favorite target for Russell. Well, Blake Lynch, like kind of a, a no-name guy out there, but he he stepped up. He was the guy that actually scored the first touchdown for Baylor. Oh yeah, yeah. He ended up with six for ninety-five and a, and a TD, but the TD was, I mean, it was th- like thirty-one yards, I believe, and he he looked good. And I think after the game, that is it, Groby or Grove, however you pronounce Grobe. it, Grove, Grove, yeah, <laughs> Grove, Grove. He, he mentioned he was like, yeah, I, I mean, Blake Lynch can obviously play ball. Yeah. Also, one other thing, I think it's Orion Stewart. Mm, yes. Sound right? All right. Mm. Orion Stewart had two interceptions in the game, which is an interesting side piece. Was the the quarterback for SMU was a former high school teammate of his. <laughs> Afterwards, he was like, I, I probably shouldn't have thrown it as much to him during the game. Yeah. But he did. He returned one for a touchdown too. That was kind of a, a killer for SMU. That's good to see for Baylor. I mean, you know, any defense that's quality defense from Baylor, yeah, especially with the question marks they had this year, because they, you know, the last few years they've started to start to have a big 12 defense yeah. they've started to look better so well, that's good to see from them yeah it, it seemed like the first half they just really were just lethargic and not, and not really hitting and then second you know come out after halftime i guess i may have to get a good butt chew in they put up 20 points in third quarter so i mean when whenever they're right and whenever they're focused they can put up points but the the thing is they they're gonna have to realize they're gonna have to start doing that at the beginning of the game because the, they looked really lethargic at the beginning that's yeah. why i thought that that lynch touchdown was really important it kind of broke the seal it was like oh okay now we, we can go at it now you know we did complete it that, that's what i mean i wondered if maybe smu just didn't quite have their full attention because it just was kind of a blah game for baylor well remember they struggled with smu in the first half last year too so it was not unexpected for them to do that. I think it was unexpected for them to score six points. In the first yeah. Half, but yeah, when I saw that score, I was like, huh? Well, SMU, <laughs> SMU also didn't have Matt Davis, their their starting senior quarterback. That's right. Was, that was big. But the the guy that played, he he played well, and I think he they had over four hundred yards total offense. So they did good. Just didn't couldn't pull it out in the end. And to me, that we still don't know Baylor who Baylor is. To me, I mean, they um, you know Katie Cannon as we've talked about before the show, heck of an athlete. We've been watching him the last couple of seasons go off. Uh, to me, they definitely got to find somebody behind him. Uh, and then also, you know, the run game. You got Shock Linwood, and I'm still curious to see how's that going to happen if they don't use Russell as much. So. You know, and then defensively, they also have their questions that they still have. And just, I mean, it just takes time getting an opponent. I mean, next weekend's Rice. So it's not like they were looking ahead to a different opponent or anything. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that's, that's, they still got some questions to answer. Still a lot of things we don't know about Baylor. Yeah, one, one other thing that I noticed is they do like to go for it on fourth down. I mean, they went for it five different times and made it. Four out, four out of those five. They did that quite a bit under Bryles, too. I yeah, mean, it, which, if I ran their continue. offense. I mean, they averaged like at one point they were averaging like eight yards of play uh, on well, offense last year. So with that offense, I don't blame them either. At the end of last season, when they had all their quarterback issues with all the injuries, that seemed that was their strategy. Well, you know, we have four plays just to run it, so we'll get three, you know, three yards three in cloud of dust every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what they did. So fourth down, you only need one yard, so you're good to go. I don't blame them, and the statistics actually support it in a lot of cases. I mean, you'd be surprised what statistics say about your ability to get fourth down conversions. You know, if, if you're a Baylor fan, I think what you got to look at is you see streaks of brilliance and then you see times when they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm thinking if you're, you have to be optimistic as a Baylor fan and just kind of hope that they start putting it together mm-hmm. on longer runs instead of just being great for three possessions and then sputtering, you know? I, I think once 
they iron things out. As a Baylor fan, I think you have to be. I think you're gonna be okay. You know, I don't. I don't see them falling apart. Well, what makes it so hard to decide on Baylor is, first of all, I think we'd agree this is the most turnover they've had there since um, they've been good. Like they haven't had this much. I mean, the offensive line, all but one guy is gone from last year. You know, their entire defensive line. They had a few linebackers and things here and there. I mean, they. This is by far the receivers. They had a couple good receivers. By far the most turnover. Then. You throw in all the, you know, off the field, you know, intangible stuff that you've got to deal with also. The stress of, you know, you know, it gotta be somewhat embarrassing for some of the players that are still in that, especially the guys who did nothing wrong. Right. You know, in these situations. They're constantly probably getting having to answer questions to the local press about how are you dealing with these things, how are you dealing with these things, how are you getting through the season, you know. All this stuff is constantly hammering them on top of having to be a college student. You know, it's just there's a lot of things going on in that program right now. And the ones who didn't run away or couldn't run away, you know, they're dealing with this head on. And, and you're not really going to know. It's just hard. to. It's not just about football with this team. And that's what makes it so hard to figure out where they are. So I, I, I think until we get into Big 12 play, we're really not going to know, to be honest. So uh, so that's all on them. Uh, rolling, you got Rice next week, Baylor. That should be a pretty comfortable one for y'all. Um, next, going into the next game, one that we all had our eye on. I know I was trying to check in on scores on it all day. Uh, was uh, Arkansas TCU? Um, Arkansas ended up winning this one, forty-one to thirty-eight. Although I, in my opinion, that's not indicative of how bad Arkansas will probably beat TCU. Would y'all agree in that that yes. statement? I felt like they were ahead pretty comfortably for most of the part, for most of the time, and then you know this thing went into two overtimes, but. Um, you know, Arkansas, I felt like Arkansas clearly was the better team that day on that field throughout the game. Um, Hill, you know, the big thing I said about TCU as I was the one who had to cover them um, when we did our previews for the season, you know, it, it pretty much to me comes down to him. Did they have questions? Yes. But they've recruited really well under him. Um, you know, he's had some of the better recruiting classes since he's, you know, probably the best recruiting classes since he's been at TCU. Um, as far as talent goes. And Hill was kind of the key to making it all work because they've had some athletes there. The defense isn't bad. They did have some turnover, but they still got some dudes on the defensive line. Hill, just to me, I'm not sure yet what we're going to get out of him. His numbers have been good. He hasn't really faced a great defense yet. Um, to me, it seems like he's – did y'all get the sense he was a little bit indecisive? On some of his stuff, is or he's not comfortable. Maybe there's just something I see in him. He doesn't seem like he's comfortable was, or something. It was kind of like a tell of two games when you watch the game. The first half was very, like like you're saying, he, he was inconsistent. He kind of was kind of lost. It kind of seemed like like his head was kind of the game was moving faster than what he was seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and then the second half, he came out and hit a couple throws, and then it was like just like a switch flipped on. Yeah, and and all of a sudden he was. He was a great quarterback. I mean, he started making plays with his feet, making good decisions with throws. It was it was kind of a tell of two halves. I mean, in all honesty, if if they would have played that way in the first half, um, they they would have easily beat Arkansas. It, it just came down to strictly the, the first half. It was just everything was not going right. I mean, yeah, and I'll be I, honest, that's mostly what I saw was the first half as I had gotten on the road for that game. But yeah, I, well, basically, it seems like he just needs to be able to get started. I mean, I, th I think it was the same problem last week. He was a slow start in the first half. Maybe he's just one of those quarterbacks that needs to go out and take a few licks before he can really play his best game. Yeah, and and maybe I mean some of them are that way. Some of them have to get you know shook up pretty good for that to happen. But I just don't. Uh, to me. Um, 
you know, like I said the other day, if if he's not the quarterback that that we saw on his bright side when he played South Carolina and them, if he's not that, in my opinion, TCU's done by Halloween, and I mean it. Like I don't think they're they can't sustain you. Their defense isn't to me. Now, granted, week two, I'm trying not to overreact, but what we've seen from them so far this year. Their defense is not the kind of defense that's going to be able to save this team. They have to be able to put up some points. And I, I think what they need to do is, is like you were kind of saying, they're going to start turning the hill loose earlier. Get get him mm-hmm. involved in the run game because the second half he made so many plays with his legs that kept drives going. Yeah. And, and you know, it, they got to start doing that at the beginning and try to get him involved. And because he seems like one of those guys where if he's involved and things are going good. He can he can really he, re, he reacts to that very positively, mm-hmm. you know. But if he's just kind of back there managing the game, he he's like almost like he doesn't have a hundred percent focus in the game. Yep. It's, it's two different styles. I mean, he's the type of guy you basically just get the ball and say let's go make some plays. Mm-hmm. I think he reacts better to that. Well, it's like Johnny Manziel. If you would have told Johnny Manziel he would have had to sit in the pocket and try to beat you with his arm all day, he wouldn't have been Johnny Manziel. I mean, and not that I'm saying this what this guy is, but. He's from that same mold where you just have to let him go out and play sandlot football to an extent within the parameters of the offense and let him be him because if not, it, it was almost, you know, for another example, we saw it somewhat with Trevor Knight. If you got him getting his legs and the run game involved early in that situation, he was a much better quarterback throughout the game than he was if you tried to force him to do it the opposite way. So same well, way with him. The thing that really cost TCU, in, in my opinion, was at the end of the game, whenever they got a good kickoff return by Turpin, which he, that kid was outstanding second half. It was amazing. Now, Turpin's a stud. I, I, I love watching him play football. I think he had like 300 yards total offense. Yeah, yeah he's like incredible. So. I mean, he, he could easily be the offensive player of the year it in the Big 12 this year. It was very impressive. And then – their special teams, the kick, the kicker, just he kicked the ball and it was flat and low trajectory, very <laughs> low trajectory on like a twenty-something yard field goal. It was yeah. That that's you know, Arkansas blocked it, sent it overtime. I mean, in all honesty, they did everything right to put themselves in position to win the game. Mm-hmm. They just didn't capitalize and it, it cost them big time. Well, and they had a huge comeback in the in the fourth quarter there. And that, you know, we talked about that a little bit with TC in the preview too. They lost Jade Nobrickrome. And, I mean, my God, the dude's one of the Big 12's greatest kickers ever. The guy was lights out. So, I mean, that's something to watch for them, too. They're not going to have the defense that bells them. In my opinion, I'm going to go ahead and say to some extent, even without seeing them any further, they're not going to have the defense we're used to seeing out of TCU. And, you know, the special teams where Obercrone bailed them out of a lot of situations, you know, that that's – I don't think they're going to have that this year. So, that's, they're definitely – they're gonna to have to do more offensively than they've had to. Well, one key one key play uh, where where Hill's emotion you talk about letting letting him go where he kind of went overboard was he scored scored touchdown, put uh, TCU up, and then he did the you know, like the whole like cut and neck you know like oh yeah it's over yeah I think and they got they got a fifteen yard penalty so on the kickoff <laughs> you know it, it, that's what and that's when Arizona I mean uh, excuse me Arkansas came back to score and tie it back up yeah you know if it you know. There's a, there's a fine line there. You gotta let him go, but yeah. then you, but he has to be smart enough to know when to, to not be a goober and do something like that. That was Hill that did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that that's the kind of stuff right there that'll make a coach matter in anything. You know, especially you gotta know the situation. If you're up by forty and you do that, okay, fine. I don't care. You know, if I'm a coach, me personally, I don't care. But you're doing it in that situation, you're jeopardizing the whole team and the whole team's outcome because of your stupidity. So yeah, you gotta be more mature than that and know what to do. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think with this game. I think the biggest thing for TCU that cost them the game was turnovers. I mean, they had, I think they were driving on almost the red zone and in the first, I believe, first quarter, first half, 
and running back uh, fumbled the ball, and Arkansas recovered there. And then I want to say like two possessions later, Kenny Hill throws a pick six. Mm-hmm. So those are those are pretty big plays that where they were driving for some points that didn't didn't take anything out didn't get any points out of it and Arkansas was able to score points so those turned out to be big big plays at the end yeah yeah and and all in all I I mean I guess the score looks respectable but in my opinion I felt like personally Arkansas won this game pretty pretty steadily um moving on to next week to the next game on our list everybody done with that one anybody got anything else to add on that one no okay uh moving on to the next game in our schedule uh Texas and UTEP and uh, this is one that, you know, like I said, some of us were away. We didn't get to all see some of the games. This is one that me and Brady were getting, uh, you know, updates on scoreboards and stuff in the stadium we were in. And uh, there for a while, I was kind of wondering what was going on in this thing because we were looking up and it was a really close game there for a little bit. Uh, but I guess Texas went ahead and pulled it out pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, that Gerard heard. 29-yard pass from Shane Buchel. That To me, that looked like a pretty cool play, the way they did that one. Uh, I d- nothing to me really to learn about Texas here overall. Uh, they just kind of lined up and did what we thought they would do to UTEP. I mean, do you guys have any other kind of opinions on it? I didn't think it was anything I, uh, spectacular. I think Buchel, I mean, he – I'm still not all on board with him. I mean, he's definitely better than Swopes throwing the ball. Yeah, uh, and he did have a good game throwing the ball. I think he was twenty-two for twenty-seven for four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But to me, when he throws those deep balls, it's just a drop back and let it let it fly. He he doesn't seem to look at the defense, and you know if you put a different scheme on there to put somebody over the top, I think that he's going to run into trouble later on in the season doing that. Well, I think it kind of goes into what Corey was saying earlier. We just we need to see before we make any snap judgments. We need to see these guys play against Big Twelve competition. We need to see what, what's he going to look like. You know, first off, next week against Cal, or what's he going to look like against OSU? Mm-hmm. I want to see him play some teams that you know that are familiar with what Texas is trying to do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That Texas, we need to see because Texas, you know, everybody's going to get excited about them. We got to see him against. People who know their personnel, first of all. People who know, you know, that's that's why you always see these crazy losses in conference that sometimes have you scratch your head. Like, you know, there's team, years teams have been favored, and you go, how did they lose that game? These teams know each other better than, you know, especially for that two- or three-year stretch where they get really familiar with their playmakers and guys doing, you know, their big guys that they've got to stop. You know, if Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, you know, Texas Tech, Baylor, they all are familiar with Texas and know what they got to do to stop them. So, that's what I want to see because UTEP is horrible, guys. I mean, I trust me. They, this is one of the UTEP was better four or five years ago, but they're awful. I mean, they're bad. They got one running back that's really good that might get into the NFL. That's about it. Well, to, to be to be kind of the opposite side of this argument, if if you just kind of take the first two weeks into consideration, and you ask who looks the best in the Big Twelve as of right now, I mean. You would you would have to say Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's, hard, I, it's a hard point to argue. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that Michelle is you know the next uh, Colt McCoy or anything like that by any means. I, but I'm just saying you know what the kid's done so far, given what he's been given Notre Dame in this game, he's played excellent football, and it seems like the team's responding good. I mean, it, it's kind of hard 
I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Don't don't over overanalyze this. Don't think too far out in the future because it's still real early. And, mm-hmm. and I agree with you guys on that. But I mean, just judging by what I've seen in the first two weeks, if, if I had to pick someone, if someone asked me who is playing the best in the Big Twelve, I'd have to say Texas. I mean, they're it just seems like they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Well, yeah, I mean, they're beating people that they're, they're well, they beat Notre Dame, and now they're beating somebody that they're supposed to beat pretty handily. Um, I will say on Bouchelle, I talked to two people last night that are Texas fans, and uh, both of them, you know, they both kind of agreed with what I was saying last show about how, you know, you could disrupt some of those timing routes and stuff Texas does. Well, they said that looking at this game, they saw a little more from him uh, as far a little more proof that that's not all he can do. They felt like he ran the offense pretty well. Um, I will agree. I even saw a couple of the plays from this game, and I will agree there was a couple of deep balls where he let her fly. I mean, that's just plain. But here's the thing. So far, it's working, so you can't really knock it. And number two, until somebody figures out, you know, until, until they face somebody physical enough to press the receivers or to get enough pressure up the gut to where he can't do that, then it's not, I mean, it, you can't really knock him for doing it. I mean, until somebody can really change it, I mean, why stop what works? So, well, in all fairness, he did complete some passes across the middle against Notre Dame, also. It wasn't oh, just, yeah, no, no, uh, no. I think yeah. it's the where we're coming from on that is that's the big plays. There hasn't been any no short plays where he, you know, he's thrown a slant to the end zone yeah. for a touchdown. It's been, oh, here's a 60 yard touchdown pass where and, the receiver runs under it. And then he's also benefited from he's got some really good athletes at wide receiver. Bert is a track star. Heard can run. I mean, that, that little dude can run. Well, I, th- I thought one so, of the interesting stats that I saw yesterday was his first five touchdown passes were to five different receivers. And I believe three of those, that was their first career touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. that's, that's, when all said and done, he could. I mean, I don't know that he will, but he could. You know, Sam Bradford, I want to say, still holds a lot of the freshman Big 12 passing records. He could, you know, well, you know, run up on some of those. And another thing about that is Texas is, you know, everybody always says, what, what's the quarterback's best friend? A running game. Mm-hmm. And and they are running the football. And they got three backs back there that can, well, counting swoops, who can, you know, they can pound the football. And so mm-hmm. yeah. it, make, it makes things a little bit easier at quarterback position whenever you can – you can hand them off to somebody, and the and defense has to respect that. Yep. We'll see. You know, one of those backs, Deontay Foreman, he was he was out this game, so. Right, I believe he had a hamstring injury. Yeah, he needs to get healthy before. Well, I think it was game. kind of one of those situations where it may not have been bad enough to hold him out of the game, but they're kind yeah, of like they're playing said, UTEP. They're playing yeah. UTEP, so mm-hmm. let's save him. We'll yep. see what Chris Warren can do on his own, which he had a good game. And but also they didn't use swoops. They didn't. I think swoops only had like two carries in this game, right. so they didn't really need the eighteen dollar package in this game. Well, forgive yeah. forgive me because I can't remember his name. But another thing they that I saw a little bit of a bright spot was the um, they've got a guy that just reminds me a lot of Jackson Shipley, uh, and the other Shipley, the older Shipley too. Um, he's a white guy, plays wide receiver. He's their inside receiver. I can't remember his name now, but he kind of gives them a little bit of a um, a little bit of a tight end type of look he's not really a tight end but he gives them some some help to that you know it's a, a friend of a quarterback they also say is a tight end right good tight end he, this guy kind of gives them that safety valve to throw to underneath so um you know that that's something else that he does have and he did look good with him he didn't you know there was no um flukiness to the way he was throwing the balls to him he did pretty well so you know there, there's things to like about texas you can't deny that they're they definitely um are more fun to watch all in all this year is but it, is it jake oliver I was gonna that say means, it sounded like with it was started with an O. I was gonna say so that might be it, but uh, I well, can't remember his name off top of my head. That heard that position switch from quarterback to wide receivers seems to be paying off well. He had two touchdowns last week. Oh yeah, he looks great this there Saturday. The question was gonna be could he catch the ball? 
because you know he's an athlete. What well, you know he's gonna do with it in space. And he, I mean, heck, that one catch he had against Notre Dame was impressive. Yep. And so I mean, he, you know, he's he's dangerous. He's something the Big Twelve's gonna have to adjust for. He gives them kind of like a Turpin type guy that can, you know, an athlete in space a lot of times on the inside. Well, and they've been like LSU typically is, you know, they have the athletes all over the place. Mm-hmm. Can anybody get them the ball? Now it looks like they, they have a guy who can actually get them the ball. Now That's, it may take them a while to adjust to actually catching the ball since they're not used to being yeah. thrown to him accurately. That's what I was, I was telling a, a Texas fan that I know. I said, Bert terrifies me in this offense because Bert is tall. He's athletic. He can run like crazy, and now you have a guy that can hit him in stride. So, I mean, that that's that's scary. Anything else to add to this game, Jockstrap? You got anything else you want to throw in there? Okay. Nothing. No, good. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on to our next one is uh, Oklahoma and the University of Louisiana Monroe. Um, this one went about like we all thought it would. Uh, final score in this one was fifty-nine to seventeen. And, uh, you know, Mayfield for – just throw out a few stats. Mayfield was 14 for 20, 244 yards with three touchdowns. That all came in the first half. He didn't play a single down in the second half. Uh, Joe Mixon had 14 carries for 117 yards. No touchdowns, but as we'll get into, you know, they kind of spread the wealth. Uh, kind of the, the – you know, I would say a shocker to some people because some people didn't take the report seriously out of camp. If you'll remember on the review me and Brady did on Oklahoma – uh, Nick Basquin was a name we were hearing out of camp. Well, he was their leading receiver the other night. Three receptions for 80 yards and one touchdown. And one play was beautiful. I mean, he absolutely embarrassed the team, the secondary from ULM. So, yeah, a few bright spots. My one takeaway from this game, um, you know, I felt like the receivers didn't have a terrible game against Houston. So, people, you know, that's been the question for people with Oklahoma this year. Uh, the receiving core and linebacker core. They're both young. They're both talented to some degree. You know, what will they do? Um, to me, the one bright spot was how many guys proved they can go out on a college football field, make a catch, and do something with the ball. Not just – I mean, because I'll be honest, there's there was a big question there because there hasn't been a lot of productive depth at Oklahoma in the last few years of wide receiver. So just something simple as do you have guys that can go out there and make plays? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I, I feel like that's that question's been somewhat answered to some extent. Granted – you know, you got to consider the, the who they're playing. I get that. But just the simple fact that they caught the ball, did something with the ball, made some plays is a big boost for Oklahoma because, you know, to me, everybody wanted to know who the playmakers were. To me, that wasn't so much of the question if you know the roster. Uh, Mark Andrews, you had a pretty good cha- idea was going to be a playmaker. D.D. Westbrook looked like he could take over to do that. Jarvis Baxter can make some plays. Uh, he just is a fumbling machine traditionally in his career. If he hangs onto the ball, he can do some nasty things on the field. You know, he's got to hang on to the ball. So, to me, they have some playmakers. That's not the question. It was, is anybody else going to come out and catch the ball? And I felt like last night, and even in the Houston game to an extent, you saw some guys that could catch the ball. Grisham, uh, or Gino, the guy from – I always do Lewis, that with him. Gino Lewis. Gino Lewis. I always do that with him. There's so many Genos and Lewises and Grishams um, that came from Penn State. You know, he had a couple more catches and had a good game. So, all in all, I felt like that was the one question to take away from the game. Yeah, I thought I thought this week was a big kind of audition week for a lot of players, and it's something you typically don't see with Stoops letting guys kind of get out on the field, you know, instead of for practice and and try to audition for a job. I think the biggest question we had going into the game was who's going to be that corner opposite of Jordan Thomas, and I think we got it answered with Cobb. Uh, he's definitely the more physical. Uh, bigger cornerback he's a lot he bigger 
Yeah, he, I mean, he was still had trouble in a few few throws his way. I mean, ULM, I think that was their strategy was to to throw it his direction, which yeah, will clearly. be will be most team strategies. So, I think that he did pretty well. I think he's, I mean, he's a true freshman. He's only been there for two months. He was a transfer from from the Baylor, um, their mass exodus. So, I think we're going to see a lot of growing pains from him, but. In the long run, I think he's gonna he's gonna turn out to be, you know, a, a pretty big corner for us. Do you guys feel like they found the third wide receiver? I think so. Or do you I think mean, it's gonna I mean, be by committee? I think it's gonna be committee. Yeah, that's kind of what but, I would say. But I also think they got some guys that can do it. I think A.D. Miller, he showed on his touchdown catch. I think he showed some good good perception of where he was at and body control. I thought Mikael Jones, he had he had actually led uh, the receivers with receptions with six. So he was all over the field. And uh, I think you'll see a little bit of, like I said, Geno Lewis and uh, and Jarvis and Basqueen in there as well. I do see it yeah. looks like the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff, Jeffrey Mead actually made an appearance in this game. Um, I'm done on Jeffrey Mead. I don't ever want <laughs> yeah. to talk about Jeffrey Jeff- Mead again. He had, a, I, he had a catch for a touchdown, but to me, that guy, he just he just doesn't hype. show any competitiveness out there. He just the doesn't have – He doesn't try to go for the ball. He just – He don't he have no dog in him. I mean, yeah. I don't know how else to put it on that. He has no dog in him. Like, yeah. he, he just doesn't – to be that tall and that – I mean, that gifted as far as physically, he just – and if you watch him, like, tape catches he makes in practice when he's just playing around, the dude's hands are insane. I mean, there's just one catch of him in practice where he catches a ball from 100 yards away with the machine turned all the way up, and he waits until it's about six inches off the ground and stabs it with one hand and just stops it dead cold. I mean, the dude's got hands. Just a practice player. But he can't – he just can't do it on the field. Like, he he won't fight anybody. He's he has yet to see a corner. Interested out there. Yeah, exactly. He almost seems like he's got somewhere better to be the whole time. Like, I, I'm just – I don't get it. It's the, one of the biggest waste of talents I've ever seen. I'm done. I don't ever want to talk about him again. He's had two years to prove, now three, going into three, to prove that he is what he was supposed to be, and he's not. I mean, he should have done stuck with basketball. He just doesn't have the weight to fight anybody off. He doesn't care enough. Um, down in the secondary, or down in the red zone, the dude should be unstoppable. He can jump out of the gym, literally. I mean, he, he's so, his jumping ability is ridiculous, because like I said, he was a basketball player. And he can go up and get balls. He just, he's got a height advantage, twice as tall as any corner. I mean, corners are usually looking at him in the chest. I just don't know. He's got all the tools and does nothing with him. That's as plain and simple as I can put it. Well, not to change the subject, but changing the subject, what what did you guys think about Austin Kendall? I know he, this was his, kind of his first time to get significant playing time. I, he made two really bad decisions, in my opinion, as far as he took some sacks that he shouldn't. He tried to do. He tried to heal Baker, for lack of yeah. a better term, and run all over the field and took some bad sacks. But all in all, I thought he did well. He scored two touchdowns. He ran the offense pretty well. Um, I mean, can they win the Big 12 if he has to play quarterback? No. But um, I think he's a bright future. I really do. I think there's a shot that he could be a really good one. I, you saw you something. He lo- oh, you go ahead, Brady. He's a big quarterback. I mean, he's physically he's bigger than Baker. Uh, yeah. His decision-making, throwing the ball, I thought he threw, threw a pretty ball. Um, but he's not much of a scrambler than he tried to be. He mm. – uh, took off and tried to put a juke on somebody and ended up fumbling the ball and then <laughs> he made some of the similar mistakes that Baker was making last year where he would scramble and instead of for throwing the ball he took like an eight yard sack 
just by running out of bounds. Yeah, there was a so time where he should have thrown it out. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do that. So, definitely made a lot of freshman mistakes, but like Corey said, I think he's I think he's got a bright future now. That's granted that we also have Kyler Murray there and you've got what Robinson coming yeah, in. Yeah, Robinson's next year, coming so in. He's definitely going to have some uh, battles. The, I guess Baker could come back as well. The one thing I saw him do that really impressed me out of anything that he did was there was a play, I don't remember who it was to, forgive me, it was early on in his drives, but he you clearly saw him look far to the right, do yeah. three or four reads, go all the way back across the other side of the field and hit a pass. Like, it's like, kind of, was, yeah. like there's progression. Yes, yeah, like he, he did that. It was no one quick read and throw. Like he clearly saw the whole field and then threw the ball. So that, to me, that's – now granted he had the time, thanks to the offensive line, but – you know, you could clearly see him go from one side of the field all the way back to the other and throw the ball. So, I, to me, that's promising. That's the kind of signs you, you would like to see out of the kid. But, I mean, he definitely, you know, a year in the college weight room will do him some good, you know, yep. things like that. So, Well, I only have one more question. Rumors have it that you can actually see the OU video board from space. Is that true? I mean, I'm not in space, so I can't answer that. But uh, I know one thing: you can see it from like the other side of campus because we were watching. We were walking away uh, at the end of the fourth quarter and happened to turn around in a spot that we would have barely been able to see the lights before, and you could watch the game like you're in the living room. Thing is huge. That's pretty cool. It's pretty. It's pretty dang big. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I saw the video. I was able to see the touchdown catch, make out who caught it. Yeah, (laughs) that was was A.D. Miller's catch, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You saw the whole thing from the street. I mean, it's 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 big. Put it that way. It's big. Yeah, and for those who didn't know, uh, Corey posted a video kind of showing what the new renovations look like on our on our Twitter handle. Which Corey actually went down during the during halftime and walked around the stadium, and it's it's nice, man. They got some viewing decks on the. opposite corners where the new screen is at and it's it's a pretty impressive area and they've also got some where the load boxes or however you say that they've got kind of some arm bands that you can get and go in and get some all-you-can-eat food they got some carving stations and things like that so it was i was pretty impressed with it yeah if you visit the stadium i definitely recommend going down to that concession stand it's like being at the fair um going on into uh iowa iowa state you know the battle for the cyhawk trophy um, you know, this one's been really, I think Colin, I think you posted some stats on this game, didn't you, on the website about how crazy, or on the page, Twitter page about how crazy that is? I, I did, stats I are. actually forget what the stat was. Well, it's just, really quick. it's been nuts, like the last six, I want to say like the last seven road opponents won or something like that, and I mean, it's just, it's there's just, if you go look at the stats on this, this series, it's nuts. Yeah, give me one second, I'll find it. Um, you know, as far as how this game went. You know, this Iowa team, guys, I think I may have said this once before. They're they're a really good team, and I still think everybody's overlooking them in the Big Ten. I think Kendall even put them in his Final Four, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Um, I, they're, it's a very experienced football team. Um, they probably have the number one corner in the country. Uh, the Bethard, the quarterback, isn't bad. I mean, they're just – it's a very mature, experienced team with solid players. Okay, I found it. There is. Since the uh, Cyhawk series renewal in 1977, there have been 13 games in Iowa City with Iowa State as a double-digit underdog, and Iowa State had covered eight times and won twice. Yeah. So, I mean, it had been competitive up until yesterday. Brady, you got to check out? Yep, I'm going to go ahead and run, guys. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll... I know how I get against my picks. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you later. We'll see you, you, we'll see you on the know. preview show. All right. All right, later. Yeah, with, with this, this Iowa State and Iowa game, 
there's going to be some controversy in Ames because uh, Lanning, we've all talked about as far as in the preview show and then coming into this week and last week as well, just his inconsistency and able to make plays. Well, part of the way through the third quarter, they pulled him and put him park. And I have a feeling that there's going to be a battle there for the next couple of weeks to kind of see who's taking over that spot. It just – now, that being said, the offensive line has been – so bad mm-hmm. it's really hard for a quarterback to play behind that yeah it, it really is you know i mean like mike warren though he, he only had seven carries for 28 yards mm-hmm. uh you know and landing was only eight eight of 20 passing yeah you know th- there's there's things there that are that are going to be hard to fix mm-hmm. i think i think it's going to be a long year in general i mean obviously Iowa's a great opponent i mean but they're gonna they're gonna struggle a lot. It looks like because th- they're really having a hard time blocking, and then even when they do get blocks, it seems like they don't have very good production out of that. You know, the one bright spot, of course, was Lazard, and he had seven catches for 111 yards. Yeah, he's Mister Dependable so far for them. Do you think the the Mike Warren carry problem? Do you think it was just caused by the game getting out of hand? They just Obviously, yes. had to commit to the past at that point. Uh, here's my question: Are we? Are you blaming this all on the offensive line? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this anyway for anybody listening. Um, do you feel like Mike Warren's lack of production is were we a little overhyped on Mike Warren, or do you feel like it's the offensive line? I, I don't. I don't. I think his talent is there, but I mean, you know how it is as a running back. If you if you can't get through the line of scrimmage to, to you know make your ability show. You're you're in trouble, and, yeah. and that's the thing. He he's having a hard time getting going. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting past the line of scrimmage is an absolute hard thing for him to do. And it's not, you know, if his ability is there, that's what I'm saying. I, I really think the kid's gifted and talented, and he can run. But if you can't get him past the line of scrimmage, well, it's hard for you know Barry Sanders to run the ball if you can't get past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So I mean, that it's going to be an ongoing thing, and I think it's going to be a conversation every week of what what this line's doing because they've they're looking terrible mm-hmm. i mean it just i mean i don't really know how else to put it it's bad yeah and i, I mean that's uh, that's a long and the short of it i mean i hate to be that way but we gotta i mean we agreed we'd speak the truth when we had this show regardless of who it was about and iowa state is i'll be honest probably uh maybe not the biggest disappointment so far in the conference to me but definitely up there well you know and, and it's not like we're you know, we're not necessarily tied to the team, so it's not like yeah. we're, we're going out on a limb. The, like the Des Moines paper that covers them is saying the same thing. I mean, their 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 you know article the other day was about how atrocious the aligned play is being. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and the thing is, is they're so young and there's no one behind them. There's not any sign of it getting better anytime soon. It's 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 going to linger throughout the season. That's what that's what the worrisome part was with your Iowa State fan is you don't really see. A light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that, that's the scary part. And, and you know, it, Iowa State. I've said many times they have uh, probably the most underrated fan base in the Big Twelve, if not all of FBS. I mean, they they sell out that stadium constantly. They've dealt with some really rough seasons. They're always jovial, nice, kind people. Um, you know, I've been to some of the games when they've come down to Norman, and they've been you know knowing they were going to get trashed, and just you know happy go lucky support their team. To no end, and I've already seen some some negativity from them as towards the coach, and you know, and I know that's not everybody. You can't just say one fan speaks for everybody, but I have seen it in a couple of different circles, and um, I'm not really sure it's fair or justified for him yet, other than you know maybe unless they just feel like he's not preparing the team to the best of their abilities. But you know, I 
I don't know. It just it this game I kind of saw this coming. Maybe not forty-two to three coming, but you know, because it usually is kind of a contested match. Even you know, for instance, Bedlam series. Even when both teams, one team is bad, usually it's still a pretty good game in most cases. Right. I kind of expected that this way too, but it just um, you know, and, and Iowa was Iowa. They did what they do best, and they took them apart. Yeah, it, it's I, as an Iowa State fan, I think the, the discouraging thing is is like you just don't see things getting much better. I mean, when you look at things and you look what their opponents are coming up and everything, it, it kind of makes you think this is going to be a real long year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that's discouraging as a fan. If you're especially oh, yeah. a passionate fan base, mm-hmm. they, they do, they support their team as well as anybody in the Big 12. They're, they're very passionate and uh, they're always behind their team. But I mean, whenever you keep seeing things happen and none of it's positive and you don't see things getting better, it, it starts to wear on you. And that and that's really, you're right. That's what's starting to happen in Ames. They're yeah. starting to get frustrated. Yeah. So I have one question just looking at the stats here. Do you think part of the problem with the passing game is maybe they're focusing too much and trying to get Lazard the ball? Like I, I noticed just looking at the lines ministry, there's only one other receiver on the team with more than one catch. Right. I, I can see where you're going with that, but the problem is is he's putting out production. So is well, it I mean, really? I mean, but if, if you're targeting him exclusively, he's obviously going to get his. But if the defense is just sitting on him and, oh, we're going to give you 10 yards, we're going to give you 15 yards, and we're going to take you down. They're letting him catch the ball, but they're not letting right. him take I mean, over the game. Yeah. Part of the thing is you have to spread the ball around, and while it looks like they did throw to you know seven or eight other receivers, if they're only getting one catch, or the defense really, you know, do they even pay them mind? Or are they just going to, okay, if you're going to have a chance in this game, you're going to have to beat us with Lazard. We're not going to let you do it. Yeah, I, I get what you're coming from on that. Kendall, what do you think about that? Well, I mean – He's obviously by far their best receiver. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes I think that's one thing that's been Lanning's problem is that sometimes he zeroes in on him the entire time. Mm-hmm. And when he's not open, by then, instead of making another quick read, either A, he's not, or B, he's getting hit. You yeah. know, I mean, there's not – there hasn't really been a whole lot of time to make a, a, a progression yeah. through but, through the, you know, pass tree. So it's kind of like if I don't throw it now to Lanning, I mean, to Lazard, then – I'm I'm probably gonna get sacked. Right. You know, it's kind yeah. of a it's kind of a weird situation to be in because, I mean, Lazard is is the best one, but at the same time, you're right. You have to find other receivers. But if the line can't block well enough for you to make a second or third read, you're gonna you're in trouble. Yeah, it's kind of a one read system where if you're gonna throw to the other guy, you're looking in right off the bat. Right. Quick mm-hmm. pass. Right. I'd say the line the line play has just been atrocious. I mean, I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I mean. If you can't block anybody for your running back or your quarterback, you can't wait in football games. Well, to me, that kind of seems to be the fulcrum of their problems because, like, you're you're talking about they can't run the ball with one of the better backs in the Big 12, um, one of the better young backs in the country, in my opinion, from what we've seen from him. Um, You have Lazard, who's a proven NFL talent. Lanning, he's not spectacular. He's not going to win any awards, but he's not bad. I mean, when you give him time, he seems to be pretty solid. So I mean, to me, that's clearly the problem. I mean, it, that seems to disrupt the whole thing, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 a bad it's a bad situation. And I mean, like I said, we're we're not the only one saying this. It's you know. Oh no no. It's no. it's being definitely not. It's being said right there in Ames that, that this is a major issue, and the coaching staff knows they have a major issue. But the thing is, where, where do you, where do you go to fix it? I mean, exactly. Th- they're all so young. You're not going anywhere this year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you can't. There's not a whole lot of things you can do to help out the situation right now. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a catch twenty two. You're you're pretty much stuck with what you got, and that's all there is to it. Yep. 
All right, uh, rolling into the last game of the night, real quickly of the weekend. Uh, yep. This was, one was oh, the sorry, best game. Jockstraps lock of the week. Yes, this was Jockstraps lock of the week, where yeah. he thought they would win by third. Which I'll be honest, I thought they would win by about ten or so. But this I, was. I think uh, we all actually thought the Tech would kind of pull away in this. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, I'm familiar with both teams pretty solidly. Their Tech is should on paper they're a little better team. I mean, I know that's why they say you play the game, but I just I was stunned by how easy it was for Arizona State. To put it lightly, I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. It was too easy, from it, from snap to to the end of the game. I, I was tweeting during the game, and you know, I was sending out things like they basically Arizona State looks like they're playing seven on seven against air. I mean, the, there were the, no one around. Yeah, a lot of receivers, and then you know, uh, the running back. At, you know, it's at the record uh, had eight touchdowns, but at one point he had he had a total of like. Was it eleven touches and he had seven touchdowns? I mean, <laughs> yeah. how, how how do you let that happen? I know I mean, that's. Um, you know, I I got home in time to watch some of this game. I think I watched most of the second half. Um, I just I'm not sure the first. Like I said, I didn't see the first half. I watched a couple of highlights just to see some of the big play scores. But um, from what I gathered, to me it looked like the defense was almost resigning to the fact in the roughly in the third quarter that we know our offense is going to bail us out, so we're just going to kind of go through the motions. Well, like, did anybody else get that impression? It it, it was bad. I mean, I, I mean, to me, that's and, what it and, felt and, like. And to be to be honest, it wasn't like Arizona State's defense just set the world on fire. No, 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 no. It, it just came down to them making a couple of stops and a couple of interceptions. I mean, but that that was Texas Tech's problem is they they literally couldn't get off the field yeah. unless until Arizona State scored a touchdown, and, and that that was if they they're towards the end of the game they were coming back on offense and scoring. But they never could get the stop on the other end to make something happen. It, it was constantly, you know, as soon as Texas Tech would score, six six plays later, Arizona State was scoring. It, they never could overtake that. I tell you what, I thought was Big Tech's big problem too. You know who the leading rusher was for Tech in the game? Mahomes. Yep, by double basically. He had 11 carries for 44, one touchdown, and 27 yards was his long one. Whereas Stockton, who I think we all kind of, I know me especially, I had to cover Tech for the preview for the show, show but um, I felt like Stockton was going to be a pretty solid running back answer. Seven yard, seven carries, 20 yards, that's not getting it done. It's just not. No. Uh, I'm telling you what, what stands out from, from my side is, you know, going into the week, my, one of my main questions was, has Tech's defense gotten any better at stopping a run? Well, uh, 53 carries for and allowing 301 yards rushing with seven touchdowns. That that's a resounding no to me. No, 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 not at and, all. And the seven touchdowns with their one guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's. I mean, that, and that's what I mean. Him and Mahomes and Bath, uh, Bathage. How was? How'd you say his name? I forgot now. Bath, uh, forgot how you say the running back's name from ASU now. But those two, uh, they did whatever they wanted. Uh, I mean, like, Ballage. Or yeah, Ball. I was thinking it was Bathage. Maybe it is Ballage. Something like that. It's Ballage. Yeah, Ballage. Um, you know, they did whatever they wanted. They were unstoppable, both of them. I mean, Arizona State needs to be reprimanded just as bad as Tech for, I mean, you know, Mahomes basically lined up, looked at whatever he wanted to look at, and then did whatever he wanted to do. So, um, to me, Texas Tech has to work on that running game some more. You can't uh, – Arizona State's not a great football team, guys. I mean, they do have some weapons offensively. Don't get me wrong, but as far I mean, two or three guys did all the damage. It's not like they went out there and systematically took Texas well, Tech apart. It wasn't Arizona State's quarterback, isn't he a true freshman or sophomore? He's a, a, okay, so he's still, but yeah. this is like his first season actually being pretty the much in control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he threw for three hundred fifty-one yards. Mm-hmm. I think this was his second career start. So, well, yep. And, and a lot, and a lot of them were like, it's coming were, were like the back out of the backfield. There was no one around. I mean, 
no one around. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was bad. So yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't you know necessarily the kid just picked him apart. It was more Texas Tech's defense just looked confused and was out of position a lot. And mm-hmm. you know even on the run on the big runs they had they they were just completely out of position and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there would be a huge hole and he would, he would take off. I mean it, it was it was bad bad defense. They lost the returning tackler the the linebacker to suspension he's done um for well, the year. Was, yeah, he was kicked he's, from the team. Wasn't yeah, he? he's gone and I he um I think that shows clearly in their lack of being able to do anything with the run game, but what really stunned me, like I said, I told you guys before the game, the secondary is not very good. They're mediocre at best. Um and I think that's probably being a little generous at this point. Um, but the second, the defensive line, I mean, they've got some dudes. Fihoko's a stud. Pipkins is good. I, I just don't understand how they got manhandled that badly to where they could do nothing to stop the run. They, they couldn't. I mean, it was, it was a fiasco. I mean, I just kept saying on Twitter, I was just like, if they could just get a stop, mm-hmm. you know, this game would turn, the momentum and everything would turn in this game if they could just get one stop, and they never could. Yeah. Never could do it. I mean that that game was an indictment on defensive coordinators. I mean that was God, that was awful. Well, that was hard I mean, to watch even. That's been Kingsbury's problem since he got there. He that's, just has not. He's had great offenses. He mm-hmm. just has not been able to get the defense to do anything. And that's Lee. I mean Leach had some decent defenses. They were I don't know if they were ever this bad, but that's been Texas' problem since they've been relevant is lack of defensive coordinator. I mean I don't know what it's going to take to get a couple. Well, I know what it's going to take. It's going to take money, and I don't know if they're going to commit to it, but. Um, you know, if Kingsbury really wants to get serious about winning, maybe he should take a million of his own money and go hire a defensive coordinator because if not, he's going to lose his job before too long. I mean, I know he's kind of their baby and they're, you know, they love him down there, but um, no fan base is going to continue this. Well, There's not. I noticed, I tweeted out a stat last night. Now, now it's 1-17, but whenever Texas Tech is trolling at halftime, now they're 1-17 under – under uh, Kingsbury, I yeah, mean, that's, that's a bad stat. You, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, no. you you got to be able to to. I mean, that means two things: one, their defense is not playing very well, and two, they're not making very good adjustments. Yes, at I was gonna say that that's an indictment on adjustments at halftime because that that means they're not changing anything. And even if they are trying to on the chalkboard, it's not getting through to the players for whatever reason. No, well, you know, just so, going back on on prior years, it seems like when they're trailing or something like that, it's just. All right, guys, it's another shootout. Let's go out and let's throw the Hope ball. We can around. win it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, we need to be the last one with the ball so we have a chance to win it. And see, that goes back to what I was saying in the third quarter. Watching those defenses, it felt like they just resided to the fact that their offenses were going to go to war and they were just out there going through the motions. I mean, yeah. to me, that's what it felt like. And I think that's how we felt it was going to be like when it was going in, you know, going into this week. Mm-hmm. We thought that it was just going to be. Like, I expected I think, a shootout, but I don't know if I expected it to be that embarrassing. On defense, I don't know statistically I did, but I actually thought the score would be kind of in the ballpark of where it ended up. I didn't I, know there'd be twelve hundred yards. I was thinking probably like forty eight, thirty eight, something like that. Maybe fifty one, forty eight, maybe in that ballpark, yeah, but wanted, not that. I wanted the overall day on this game. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, I don't know. It, it was like I said, it was bad. I mean, it, if if you're a fan of defense of football. This game right here literally made you throw up because yeah. it, it was atrocious. Well, first of all, atrocious. this is the wrong conference for you, but secondly. Well, I mean, even so, I mean, I don't even know how to explain to you how bad Texas defense was. It, mm-hmm. it was it was like a comical – it's almost like they were trying to screw everything up. It was, yeah. it was like it was a comical thing. I mean, it was so bad. And so they were so out of place. I mean, it's one thing if another team has better athletes than you – and you're in the position, but they're just they just Being, out, out beat you. Yeah. But it's another thing whenever you're not even nowhere near where you're supposed to be, and they're just walking into the end zone. Like mm-hmm. There's problems, yeah. major problems. Yeah. 
Well, one, one, one thing I did see on Twitter yesterday it was kind of a funny stat was that the 68 points scared, scored by Arizona, and I believe this is the right game. If not, I, I apologize. But the 68 points that they scored, their basketball team didn't score that 15 times last year. <laughs> well, it's Tech isn't big at basketball. That, but, or is, oh, you said Arizona. Arizona okay, State, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that's um, that's <laughs> the I don't know. That doesn't shock me honestly a little bit to a degree. Well, I mean, Tech might be able to play better defense on the basketball court because I mean, I'm I'm telling you, it was as someone who's just a football fan, it was just hard to watch. I mean, it really was. You know, the it, thought I had, it was comical. and I think I even tweeted this out. Of, no, I may have tweeted this out of my personal account, but my thought was. Man, Arizona State would look good doing this in the Big 12 every year. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having them, and you know, if it had to be Arizona or whoever. If those two want to but, come, Corey, Kendall, Brady, and me will come and help you load the oh, we'll load the equipment trucks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we yes will. I will. I will be right there to help you do whatever you want. I'll even find you houses down here. Um, you know, on that front, real quick, something we need to discuss. Is there anything you guys want to talk about on the Big 12 expansion that you saw this week? Any news? Not, I mean, nothing concrete. I mean, you know, that's the thing. A little like, bit about what we're hearing. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought the Iowa State thing that you referenced earlier in the week was was interesting. The, about was them the, saying they didn't want the, BYU. Well, it was the student. The student, student body. body yes, the student body put went out and put some. What was it? Basically, a petition or whatever. Right. Well, I think they voted. I think it was like twenty three to six voting to say we don't want BYU due to their you know, practices of discriminating. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They, their views on homosexuality, things like that. That's right. what they didn't. They weren't all for, and you know, I I think that was well within their rights, and they're you know nothing wrong with that. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. But you know, I mean, like I tweeted out on that thing too, though. It, it's it's fine that they think that, but I mean, realistically, what it comes down to is dollars and cents. It's not going to hurt them anyway. You, you know, so, I mean, yeah. If the Big Twelve can make cash on this deal. That's that's kind of where they're going with it. Yep. If they feel like they're the best fit money wise and TV wise and all that, then that that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at what the school does. I mean, because if that was the case, let's be honest, they would probably kick Baylor out. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. And, and not that it, mm-hmm. not, not that you know, say anything bad about someone who's graduated from Baylor, but I'm just saying, if, if you're going to stand up on the moral high ground and, and beat your chest, there's been issues that happen that kind of you take know, your legs out from underneath you right in exactly yeah do you think that's ever a possibility where we may end up you know let's say baylor they're in effect removed from the conference and maybe a school like houston is added and keep the balance in texas which is obviously what all the texas schools want but then maybe we go you know say baylor leaves houston comes in bringing byu and cincinnati and I, I, it seems like those are the three the big 12 truly want anyways mm-hmm. right I think if there was a fourth option, it would be done because I think they would go. I think the hard time they're having is settling on the two, and I think, in, in my personal opinion, I still, I don't know, it doesn't seem like I'm. I'm not hearing the best things on on BYU as I am on Cincinnati and, and Houston at this point, and I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying it would not shock me if it ends up being Cincinnati and Houston and Baylor and BYU completely gets left out of this thing. So that's just what I'm hearing. I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I mean. I, but really, like I said, we we don't really know anything in concrete yet. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, really, it comes down to another thing. It comes down to is which team is going to say we'll take the smallest portion of the pie for a while. Yeah, you know that that's who's probably going to get voted in. It's probably not going to be necessarily whoever the fans want. It's going to be more like you know, well, if the other schools institutions can make some extra cash on top of this deal, and because these these other two teams are not going to take as big of a pie for so long then that mm-hmm. benefits us greatly well let's let's be honest that that 
thinking right there is a reason the Big 12 is as shaky as it is right now. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that's exactly that. That's that's the type of leadership we've had the last few years. It, it's everything we've done has been survive. has been a reaction, mm-hmm. and then it's been bad planning for the future because it's just whatever happens now. How can we? Get how can we get by right now? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's never for the future. No. Never. Well, and if you look at other other conferences that are the presumed healthy conferences, everything is equal. There's no oh okay, this school gets X million more dollars than this other school. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets the same piece of the pie. You know, we're going on here. Here we are chaining SEC, 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 all that stuff. Everybody's all for the conference. You don't have that in the Big 12. It's well, Oklahoma and Texas will never allow that. Exactly. They won't and that, there's never going to be stability unless, because of that. Unless there is a much larger amount of money. But it, to some degree, Texas and Oklahoma will never release their control over this conference. Right. And money's one way to do that. So. And, you know, and I think eventually, I mean, as much as I don't like to say this, eventually I think that's what's going to be the doom of the Big 12. I mean, if there's... Mm-hmm. Right now, if you had asked me, will it be alive in let's say you know twenty twenty five or something? I I'm kind of going with no. I, I have a feeling the way the direction we're heading now is not a good direction. Well, don't overall. don't you think you know kind of going back to this is the ironic thing is with Texas and OU not being able, being willing to relinquish that. In effect, when they go to another conference, they're going to be worse off than they are now, and maybe than they would have been if they would have just done this right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Because no other conference is going to give Texas and I mean Texas is really they're not going to give Texas the power they have right now. Everybody wants OU, but are they going to be willing to give them OU what they actually want as well? Yeah, I don't know. It's it'll, going it'll, to be yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that all turns uh, out. When when this happens, when something finally comes of all this, I promise we'll sit down and do some kind of show on this. We've tried to avoid this topic to some degree to kind of <laughs> let things come out because I wasn't sure we could add anything productive to the expansion discussion. Um, that wasn't already out there, but when things really start to shake out, you have my word. We will try to sit down and have some kind of show discussion about this whole thing. Well, no, don't they think it may be something at the October president's meeting? The first thing was the first, the most optimistic goal is by October. You know, basically by Halloween we'll know something. Um, the other one, the more likely scenario as I see it, is probably December before anything concrete's announced. So. Uh, you know, at best, I probably expect them to leave October and say, we know who we, we want, but we're not going to say. That's probably what yeah, I expect them to do. That sounds right. So, um, we're an hour and a half into this thing. You guys want to go over anything else? You want to call it a day? Our, our quick picks? Well, did, we, we can post them on Twitter or we, go over yeah, another show did, if you want. Just a real quick, uh, Jockstrap and I went two and three. Brady and Corey went one and four, and Colin brought up the rear there at zero and five. So it was not a good week. We we would have stunk in Vegas again. So, so Colin's probably roll. so Colin's pretty much out of this thing already. Yeah, and the rest I'm, of us I, are about tied. I think I'm one and nine. Off to a good start, but there's yeah. a lot of time left. So oh yeah, right. yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of time left. So anyway, sorry we know this went a little long, actually longer than I expected. But um, our preview show for the next week should be out in a couple of days. I would say probably Thursday nightish, Friday or yeah, probably Thursday or Thursday. Wednesday night, fr- Thursday morning is somewhere in that ballpark. Um, thanks for following us. We got a few new followers this week. We appreciate that. Um, you know, f- feel free to keep communicating with us on Twitter. Uh, I still would love to have some of your hashtags. If you know your hashtags, if you see us out there, and we're not using the correct ones or the ones you feel are the most popular, please, by all means, send them to us so we know either DM or tweet it straight up. I don't care. Um, until then. You know, follow us at Big 12 Country on uh, Twitter and Big, Big 12 Country. Big XX or Big XII Country. At Gmail. 
Um, and uh, anything else to add to that, guys? Anything else you want to throw in? No, sounds good. Week three. Okay, guys. Uh, yeah, let's look forward to week three. We'll. Uh, sorry, that was an ugly weekend. Maybe we'll do better next weekend. All right. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of days. Until then, say bye, guys. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye.